This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer here on CKNW. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few moments, Drs. Bobby Birdie and Yale Weinstock will join us to take your calls on all matters relating to dentistry and also to talk about a new Netflix documentary. And I'm quite looking forward to this conversation. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer stories. Swapping out regular soft drinks for diet versions might seem like a healthy move, right? After all, it keeps you from consuming about 100 150 extra calories and 39 grams of sugars for every 12 ounce can you drink. But evidence has been mounting in recent years that artificially sweetened beverages could have their own adverse health effects, including an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, weight gain, and heart disease. And now in a new study published in Stroke, the Journal of the American Heart Association, the researchers analyzed data on diet drink consumption in over 81,000 women aged 50 and older over 12 years. Talk about an exhaustive study group. The type of artificial sweeteners in the drinks the women consumed isn't known. We didn't find that stroke risk increased significantly for women consuming a few diet drinks, says the lead author of the study at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine. But for those who regularly drank two or more 12-ounce cans of diet pop a day, there was a tremendous increase in their risk of stroke. The best advice, given what we know so far, is to err on the side of caution. This study adds to the growing consistency of research showing an association between diet soda consumption and heart disease risk, says the author of the study. And since, and this is a quote, and since research has not shown that switching to artificially sweetened beverage is that helpful for weight loss, there's very little reason to recommend drinking them. Last weekend, the government warning on this program was all about Canadians not traveling to Venezuela. This weekend, Global Affairs Canada is advising all of us not to travel to Haiti as they continue to work to get Canadians trapped in that country out. Global Affairs said it upgraded its advisory for Haiti late Thursday due to ongoing civil unrest throughout the country and warns the security situation could further deteriorate quickly and people should, quote, consider leaving by commercial means when they're available. More than 100 Canadians have been unable to leave Haiti since protesters blocked major highways across the country in an effort to pressure rather the president to resign. Our government says it has people on the ground in Haiti to provide assistance. The Dominican Republic, on the same island of Hispanola, a much more popular destination for Canadians, and no travel advisories on that half of the island at all. Oh, and it looks like some Americans are starting to take their national debt into their own hands. A rather hilarious Change.org petition is asking the United States government to sell the state of Montana to Canada 
for $1 trillion to eliminate the national debt. This petition, uh, petition rather, has accumulated thousands of signatures in the span of just a couple of days and continues to get more. Here's a quote. We have too much debt and Montana is useless. Just tell them it has beavers or something, says the petition's creator. At least some Montanans seemed also to be on board with this. One saying, Montana will get legal weed, health care, and decent hockey. It's a win-win. Another resident chimed in with, sell Wyoming and Idaho too. Who cares about them? Unfortunately, we learned this week, the United States national debt is now over $22 trillion. So even trying to sell one or more states for a billion a pop or a trillion a pop isn't going to put much of a dent into that number. But hey, if we buy Montana as our 11th province, we get some more cool glaciers and a nice chunk of Yellowstone National Park. There you go. More top consumer stories later in the hour. The world-class dentists from BC Perio are coming right up. Doctors Bobby Birdie and Yale Weinstock next to take your calls. Let's open up the phone lines, Andrew, and get busy. 604-280-9898. Lots more after this. And welcome back to Vancouver Consumer this Saturday afternoon. I'm Sterling Fox with a couple of uh, dentists in studio. It's always a pleasure to welcome Dr. Bobby Birdie from BC Perio to the program. Bobby, good to see you again. How are you doing? I am doing great, thank you. And uh, we're going to talk about a Netflix documentary here. And you have an old teaching pal from UBC, a fellow dentist, to introduce uh, Dr. Weinstock to our audience. Uh, Dr. Yale Weinstock is a certified specialist in endodontics or root canal specialist. He's got a practice in Coquitlam and uh, soon to open one in East Vancouver called Evergreen Endodontics or Evergreen Endo Center and uh, Endo Group. And uh, it, yeah. say hi to us, Yale. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me in. Thanks for the invite, Dr. Birdie. It's uh, I'm excited to be here. Well, it's good to have yeah. you with us. It's good to meet you, too. Now, yeah, you, you too. are an endodontist. I am an endodontist, So yeah. what exactly does that mean? What so do you do? My, my job in dentistry it, for my specialty is that we deal with the inside of a tooth. So it's actually endodontics. That's what it means in, I guess, Greek, that we work on the inside of the tooth. So our main focus is to take sick teeth that are infected from the inside and make the tooth healthy again through root canal treatment. Okay, so yeah. uh, so an endodontist is a root canal, yeah, we are root canal specialist. specialist. Yeah, anything uh, inside the tooth, that's what we deal with. Interesting stuff. Yeah. And you're here in part to talk uh, about, and we were talking about the measles in the last hour, and we mm-hmm. had the lawyers, the family lawyers and family fights about vaccinations and all uh, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And a lot of that, of course, goes back to documentaries from a few years ago, which uh, turned a lot of people into strange directions. And you <laughs> have stumbled across a dental documentary on Netflix that isn't particularly complimentary specifically about what you do, Dr. No, Weinstein. It, it's, it's not. It's, uh, I was lucky enough to stumble upon a, uh, I, I actually might call it a mockumentary uh, called The Root Cause okay. um, that takes uh, the idea of root canal therapy or root canal treatment and almost talk about that we're, we're killing off these teeth or it's like a gangrenous uh, festering infection in your mouth that causes everything from cancer to heart attacks to dementia to schizophrenia and so on. So what, by, by doing a root canal, this well, is creating they, they, a setting they, up for that? Yeah, they, they don't distinguish between the fact that, you know, you have infected teeth that, you know, people have. Um, root canal therapy that we do is a very safe and efficient way of taking a tooth and returning it to its health. Um, they don't distinguish between this. What they do is they try to tell you that 
root canals can never be cleaned out. Um, and yeah, they'll continue to fester and cause all these problems. Where's, where's this from? Is this from Canada, the United States, uh, the UK? That's a very good question. It's, um, it comes from a thing called the focal infection theory, which uh, was in, in the early 1900s. It was a, uh, a dentist named uh, Weston Price who came up with this uh, focal infection theory that claimed that root canal treated teeth are the, the focal point of anything bad in your, in your body. Um, now, the problem with this in the 1920s, unlike, I mean, like everything else in medicine, it didn't work very well. Root canals wasn't a very successful treatment. Uh, he started off in the early 1900s when they didn't even have x-rays at the time. Right, sure. So to be able even to assess a tooth to be able to do proper root canal treatment was impossible. Uh, There's no standard of care. There's no, um, nowadays we use proper irrigation, antibacterial irrigation, antibacterial medications mm-hmm. to, to successfully and predictably deliver successful root canals, they didn't have that at the time. So any study back then doesn't make sense anymore. And it was already, by the 1950s, the American Dental Association already took his studies and said that it's is not is not relevant. Okay. Um, so what these biological dentists now they cling on to this old theory, and you know use that almost in fear based dentistry to scare people into not having root canals, to extract these teeth, and to go through these very expensive treatment modalities to try to get rid of these bacteria. In you their body. do realize, of course, yeah. uh, Doctor Weinstock, that uh, root canal <laughs> yeah. in the English language is is a is a euphemism we use for I'd rather have a root canal. <laughs> thank you very much. Then, I, I then do whatever it is you want. Want me to? I'd rather have a root canal. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an expression, and we go there because in, in our minds we identify being as being something really undesirable. I'm the first person to know all about this because I get these patients all the time. I bet you do. That, you know, unfortunately, I have horrible experiences in the past, and I totally get it. Root canals not done properly can be painful. They can take a long time, and they may not work. Um, when you see someone who does it properly in modern day endodontics with our modern techniques, they're pain for most i'd say 99.9% of the time pain free right. they're predictable i mean patients come to us in pain or in disease and we're actually in a pain free easy way take them out of this pain and return them back to health so people come in all the time all scared they've had a horrible experience before they come to evergreen endo group and we do a root canal it takes about an hour to do sometimes over two visits because we have to put a medication in the tooth right and after they're done they're like wow that's it that's the, I was all scared for no reason. Sure, so sure. modern techniques and modern endodontics have come a long way, like everything in medicine and dentistry. I'm sure Dr. Birdie can attest to that. And has this and, root cause, yeah. uh, has this documentary impacted your patients at all? Have you you got, know, now do you have people coming to your yeah. office going, you know, I saw that thing on Netflix and I'm not real keen on being here. <laughs> I wasn't in the first place, but now I really yeah. don't want to be well, here. Well, it's, it's actually funny you ask that because, you know, Ever since I've been an endodontist, we've had Google, and patients have a good, are very good at Googling what root canal, you know. You know Today's they, consumer is a very they, informed yeah. individual. Everyone's, everyone's a dentist. And, you, you say this a lot, yeah. too, Bob. Absolutely. It's yeah. a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. I mean, I, and I totally get it. If I wasn't a medical professional, I'd read these things on Google sure. or watch this documentary. There's no reason for me to not believe it, right? I don't, you know, before I was a dentist, I didn't know how to read studies properly or know how to assess if something's going to work or not. So we've been getting these questions forever. Okay. You know, is this root canal going to cause, a, you know, my health? Do they work? You know, um, is it going to cause cancer? Is it going to cause heart attack? Is it going to, you know, recently I had a question about, 
are you going to remove the periodontal ligament? Because this is one of the things they talk about in the documentary. So yeah, we've been getting increased questions about this stuff, which led me to finding out where these questions were coming from. And that's how I stumbled upon this, uh, this movie called The Root Cause. And I'd like to say they should probably call it Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. because most of it in it is non-factual and misleading facts. So, um, you Preposterous know, might be a good word to I, apply I, to I, some I can of the say content. that, you know, you know, for a sequel, they should actually do a, do a documentary on how the earth is flat because mm-hmm. that's how, how relevant this documentary is in, in, in real life. Yeah. Now, is, is root canal work something that is, it gets done at BC Perio as well, Dr. Birdie? Or we, do, no, you, we, do you farm that out to your colleagues and other operations? We definitely farm that out. We do not deal with the internal portion of a tooth because it's beyond me. We could oh. not do it. So I'm more than happy to work with colleagues like Dr. Weinstock and other endodontists in the, in the community that do a fantastic job that have gone to specialty training after dental school to know how to do this properly with whether it's a laser, whether it's a microscope, whether it's whatever type of technology they're utilizing it is truthfully amazing. So, you know, it's it's like everything else in, in dentistry and everything else in medicine. Um, we know as practitioners what we read and what we can see and what we're trying to do research on to create causes and to, to understand more of the science that is out there. Right. But the media, like we are on media right now, sometimes wins. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's unfortunate. In that same documentary, they, they go on to say that a titanium implant is is something you shouldn't have. You should only have a ceramic or zirconia implant. Do you mean like and, a knee or a hip or something yeah, like that? Well, oh, okay. no, like an actual dental implant. Oh, dental if you're going to have a dental ah. implant, make sure it's zirconia. And a, a titanium implants have been around for 30 to 50 years, and a zirconia implant has not been around that long. And everything we do in terms of, of dentistry on dental implants is orthopedic in nature. It, it's related to our friends that do orthopedic surgery for hips and knees okay, and spines. Sure. Right. And they've been using chrome cobalt and titanium-based uh, materials for the longest time. And the first time when they first started using things like zirconian ceramics, they had a catastrophic number of failures and fractures. Now, are they going to refine that? They, in, in recent years, they're refining that to make it better and better. But it's still not the standard of care yet, and it's still not what's supposed to be readily used. So in fear-mongering of it, which is kind of a, a worse way of saying it, it's unfortunate. That being said, uh, knowledge is power, yeah. and everyone's got their own opinion, and I understand that. And there is a total body cause to the mouth. It is a part of your body. So they do relate to one another. But in general, I think we have to be careful in what we do understand and understand that you're watching something that where there's a lot of fiction on that same site. I want to ask you about, uh, speaking of watching things, I'm watching TV a lot, and late-night TV is where you find this mostly. There are now kind of do-it-yourself dental plans and dental things that you can do. You can, for example, go online and order up a series of, uh, they look to be made of some kind of plastic material, Dr. Birdie, and they eventually, uh, over a series of time, will help straighten your teeth and line them up. Uh, But I don't see any people involved in all of this. So how, I don't want to say reputable, but how valid are these do-it-yourself deals? So this is quite an uh, an amazing place that dentistry is going. We're going to see more of this, I think, in the future with robotics and other things. Like I've I've said for the last few years, um, in in my global teaching organization, we own a a dental robot in in Florida that does, does treatment like this. So in general, the clear aligner or the smile direct or other types of technology like this are based off sound technology in the sense that it is Invisalign. It is what, uh, what uh, lots of orthodontists and dentists use okay. throughout, throughout the world. And they use the technology that is part of it. Even actually the adopter of the, or, or the, the owner of the technology owns you know a large amount of smile direct in terms of percentage of shares. Okay. So 
in general, that's it. The model involves data acquisition where you get like, you know, a, a digital impression or other types of molds, photos, and then it gets sent off to a center where they will analyze and then provide you with with these trays to help straight your teeth. The problem is that they're not going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. There's no, you're right, there is no human content or someone monitoring you in person. There may be somebody, you know, via video conferencing or whatever have you. I don't know that for sure, but right. it's one of those things where that's how they're going about it. I'll tell you that in terms of orthodontics, this is this is not something where you know you're getting a new pair of shoes or a new hair color. Right. We're talking mm-hmm. about physically moving parts of the anatomical parts of your body to where you want them to be. So they'll function correctly long term and you can smile and eat and talk. And it's very possible, like everything else in this world, to have things not go the perfect way mm-hmm. with the compliance of the patient and compliance of the doctor. Is, so the, is the attraction then, the price has got to be cheaper. That's exactly what it is. Unfortunately, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's simply just so. a cheaper option that people go, well, this is, I can yeah. afford this. It and, may or may not work. I'm like a dentist who, well, who will tell you, listen, I can do this for you, but I can't do that and yeah. that sort of thing. But if you start moving these teeth, you know, in, in an improper way, it could be catastrophic. It could be very hard to get back in, in to back to there, function. There's, so there's definitely, there's definitely risk involved. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, I, I don't think that the technology won't work for a lot of patients. Okay. I just don't think that it's something that's monitored as well as you know going to see somebody in an office, having that human face contact, to face, face to face, to... have someone to look actually in three dimensions in your mouth yeah. and look at your face and be able to communicate with. I think communication and be able to convey what you like and don't like and what you're looking for and how things are, I think is is so much more important than just looking at images. Right, and I'm and but you you do and and you've made a part because you you travel all over the world giving presentations to your peers. Uh, uh, literally on most continents. And you talk a lot about the future of dentistry. We've had some great conversations mm-hmm. on the radio about the future of dentistry. So you're convinced that more and more robotics are going to come into play going forward. Absolutely. I think robotics will be a, a massive play. So much of what we do in dentistry is orthopedic in nature. It's so much of millimeters and, and dimensions and physics. And because of that, I think that we're going to see any things that are run of the mill that are simple like that, I think we'll see more and more of it. But I don't think that they're going to replace dentists necessarily. I think there's going to be a massive adjunct, a massive ability for you to treat more patients and also have to people to get a better standardization or standard of care. And I think overall it will increase over time, just like that's we hope what all technology does. And you can ask Dr. Dr. Weinstock, when we went from doing hand filing to, to rotary endodontics, how different did it go? Just, just the modality of using something that's more you know, automatic and not a human touch to it, just having that standardization increase is huge. Well, right. it, it definitely makes uh, treatment easier, for sure. Makes it more predictable. But at the same time, we have to be careful with this technology that there's evidence behind it that supports it. I know I work this way. I know Dr. Birdie worked work this way, that we work in evidence-based dentistry sure. where everything we do for our patients, we know gives the best outcome for them. So if there's new technology and it's not supported ev- evidence from evidence, I don't use it until I see, because I'm not going to start working on my patients a certain way and then find out a year later that it doesn't work. So everything has to be supported by good sound science. Well, this is great stuff. I love talking about new changes and innovations coming to any field. And uh, Dr. Birdie, you're right on the cutting edge of all of this. So we'll continue with, and we'll take your calls too in the next half hour, 604-280-9898. Lines are open to Drs. Bobby Birdie and Yale Weinstock as we continue with Vancouver Consumer after this. 
Welcome back to the program this Saturday afternoon. Our guests in studios is Drs. Bobby Birdie and Yale Weinstock. Dr. Birdie from BC Perio and Dr. Weinstock from Evergreen Endo Group in Coquitlam with a new uh, shop coming in East Van soon, right? It's coming soon to the Fraser Hood. Hopefully, you know, we're hoping it was already be up and running, but it looks more like uh, you know typical small business in Vancouver that things are delayed by City Hall, and but we'll be up and running hopefully by May. And one of the reasons uh, Dr. Birdie from BC Perio brought along Dr. Weinstock today uh, was to share this this story of this uh, root cause, this uh, documentary that's uh, been available on Netflix for a while, and and so I went to the I went to YouTube and I pulled up the two minute trailer for the movie, <laughs> and then I started scrolling through the comment section. And Dr. Birdie, it's a little disturbing. I mean, there are a lot of people who are very sympathetic to the point of view expressed by this documentary, which essentially, as Dr. Weinstock has already said, it basically root canals are the root of all evil, and they're just bad for you. Absolutely. So the funny thing about this is that I always find is I remember my even my wife was talking to me about it. She's like, you know, what do you what do you think about this? And I said, well, you know, it, it's great to be able to find something to blame. It's always great to be able to find a root cause or or, or some, some something something to blame because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know we have okay my my left side of my body's hurting. You know, I haven't really looked after my. I don't eat well. I don't work out well. I don't you know I don't do all these things. But all of a sudden I have all this chronic stuff going on, and it must be the the cause. It must be my root canal because it can't be anything else that I'm doing in my life. Right, right, right. And you know. It, <laughs> If a root canal lasts, you know, 25, 30 years or whatever it is, and all of a sudden now it's a problem, well, it lasted you quite a long time. Well, I was just going to say one of the comments here goes, it goes on and on about all of these adverse side effects yeah. that were experienced. And then 18 years later, the root canal failed. Uh, Dr. Weinstock, you're the uh, the root canal that, specialist. Is that a good lifespan or does this person really get taken to the cleaners? <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. I mean, if you could say anything in medicine that can last 18 years is, is pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, from as, as a specialist of what I've seen and the studies out there, I mean, all I could say for really well done root canal treatment where it's done properly and restored properly afterwards, there's no reason the 10 year success rate is not, it's well above 90%, which to be honest is one of the highest success rates in all of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is guaranteed for life except for death and taxes. So if, uh, if you know, any dentist that tells you, oh, I'm going to do this for you, and it's going to last forever. I mean, unless the patient's 98 years old, right. they're lying to you, run for the door. Because all we could tell you is that they're, the treatment we're doing is backed by science. It's a safe treatment modality to rid your tooth of bacteria, um, return your tooth back to health, and you should be able to keep your tooth for a very long time as right. long as it's done properly, restored properly. Um, and, you know, there's different things that come into to play here, right? Everyone lives different types of lives. If you have a type, if you grind your teeth a lot, or you know, if you do party tricks by opening up beer bottles <laughs> with your teeth, <laughs> right. that tooth's not going to last as long. Not very, but if you no. brush your teeth, you uh, floss properly, then there's no reason this tooth it can last forever for sure. I, th- I uh, think what the, yeah. one of the things that Dr. Weinstock has uh, failed to mention is that it's not just the fact that, like I always tell people when they come in to get an implant done or they come in to get something done. I mean, I see you for an hour. Mm-hmm. I see you for an hour. I do what I can do best. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're home for the other 23 hours today and then the rest of the days of the week. Mm-hmm. And then I see you back for a check maybe a few weeks later or a few months later. But I see you for a small window of time. Mm-hmm. What you do outside of that window of time actually matters more than what I did during that window of time. So mm-hmm. how much you maintain it, how much you take care of it, how often do you come in to see us, how routinely do you maintain what was done, right. all of that. Exactly. plays into a factor, right? So it's one of those things where it's not just about the treatment and it's not the root cause of anything. It's a matter of understanding that, you know, us, us as dental practitioners are there to help you and do the very best we can with, through the best of our knowledge and we wouldn't do anything that wouldn't do any harm. 
Can I ask you, too, about dentures, since we were talking about lifespans and, and possible length of, of health of a, of a procedure? Mm-hmm. If, if a person opts for dentures, for example, what would be a typical lifespan for that set of dentures that the person uh, acquires this week? So let's say someone gets a set of dentures, and we normally when we take out someone's teeth and we give them dentures right away, they're called immediate dentures. Um, and a lot of people call them throwaway dentures because in about six months to about a year afterwards, they're not going to fit very well. The reason being is because there's so many changes. Well, like, I've, like I've said numerous shows before and years for years now, I say that the, the bone in your jaw sticks around for two reasons. One, because there's teeth in them mm-hmm. that actually stimulate them, or there's a dental implant in them that stimulates them. Anything else that touches on top of the tissue or the bone in your mouth won't stimulate the bone to stick around. It will wither it. And so when a denture gets put in, um, the, the first set will be a throwaway in about a year or two, okay. if not less time. And then after that, they might last as long as five years or 15 years. And some people say they can tolerate them for longer, no matter how much they move. But the reason why they're continuing to not fit well and change over time is not because you know, you've had dental work done, obviously, is because the bone and tissue in your mouth is changing and withering. So you need to be aware of the fact that you, because you've opted for dentures as your particular chosen route of dental health, that there is a finite limit to a set of dentures, and it's caused by yourself and the bone structure in your own head changing over time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the, the materials themselves will wear down as well. Most of them are still classically made with our classical acrylic resin. Uh, now, we, you know, in our office, we 3D print and we mill them out of, out of something that's much stronger and fits much better and much more accurate. They're designed by a computer. But still, in the end, they're still dentures. They're still going to push on your gums and tissue and your bone. They're going to weather it over time. So you're talking, we were talking about robotics early, mm-hmm. and there you are. Again, you've, you've already upgraded your own facility at BC Perio with this, these, the, capa- the capability to produce this sort of dentures and other uh, materials in your in-house using computer-driven production machines. Absolutely. So we've got our own milling machines and 3D printers. Uh, we're actually the first dental office in the country to have this new mill from Ivaclar, which is probably the best mill in the world at this point. And it's an, it's amazing, the ability to provide digital dentures, but also be able to provide any type of in- dental implant or dental restoration overall. And we do that a lot for ourselves, but we also do that for referring dentists as well and, and just be as collaborative as much as possible. I saw an ad of yours on global television this morning, Dr. Bobby Birdie, and uh, there you are. Yes, that's right. We can do teeth in one day. <laughs> I, I, I have to tell you, we've had this conversation in the past, and Dr. Weinstock, I'd like you to jump in as well. Okay. But this whole business of teeth in one day baffles me only because, it, 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 if no other reason, the pain part. When you get a tooth yanked, to say nothing of several, it usually hurts like blazes. <laughs> and then you're going to do other work on top of that and send me home uh, in the same day. Tell me how it works. Uh, you know, Teeth in One Day has been around for decades. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, about root cause. We're talking yeah. about materials that are offered and everything else. You know, it's no different. You know, if, if Dr. Weinstock could do a root canal, and, you know, sometimes it takes two that's, sessions because he's... That's the original out. tooth in a day. Absolutely. You come in, we do a root canal, you keep that tooth that day. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, okay. then, and then he sends it to me, and I can, I can prep it for a crown, and I can mill that or print that in-house, and I can put it in your mouth in one day. That's one day. Right. It doesn't even have to involve a dental implant. But if I can take your tooth out, put an implant in. Remember, the implant's made of a similar metal, not the same metal that a prosthetic hip, a prosthetic knee's made. Okay. And anyone that's had it, you, you said a family member had a, had a new hip. Indeed. It just it, had a hip replacement in January so, so, 2nd. So when did, she, when did she stand up on it? Uh, that's the next day. Exactly, right? Yeah. And that's a whole hip. Yeah. I'm talking about a, a 10 millimeter long little screw that goes the into body someone's jaw. Yeah, body heals amazingly. 
So it's one of those things where the, the idea of being able to do it is because it stimulates your bone to stick around. As long as we do it within a certain amount of forces and, 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 and go about it in a very conservative way, putting an, an implant into someone's jawbone and putting a tooth on that implant, whether it's a single one or a full arch or a full mouth of implants, is possible. I did it four times this week. Okay, interesting. Oh, back to you, Dr. Weinstock, yeah. the root canal specialist. You were That's talking me. during the break about, and, and uh, Dr. Bertie just mentioned a second ago, uh, after you do your business, you send him uh, your patient to Dr. Bertie, and he and his colleagues at BC Perio fit a crown on the root canal work. How critical is it to the success of any root canal to have a crown after you've done your work? Well, that's a very good question. Um, there's there's two parts to, you know, two main parts of your root canal is the root canal treatment, and then there's the restoration that goes on afterwards. So depending on the tooth, you know, front teeth, we get away with a nice white filling on afterwards, um, placed by either us or the dentist who sends us or Dr. Birdie here. Um, but when we come to teeth like molars or premolars that have Multi, multi-cuspal teeth. The, the issue the is the back teeth, right? The back the teeth. Big they, back yeah, there teeth. we go. The, ba- the big back teeth right. they use primarily I, for I, chewing. I, I know you hate it when yeah. I get too the technical, big, no, Dr. Bernie. I, okay. I, I, I like to call it big back teeth. I, I sure. love it. Actually, um, I love it. I love it. You know, the, the, the problem with those teeth is that there's, there's two things that could go wrong after root canal. Ch- you need to protect the tooth from the bacteria in your mouth. So the root canal therapy gets rid of the bacteria in a very, again, like I said before, a very predictable way. Sure. Uh, but now we got to pr- keep that bacteria from trying to get back in. One way is our root canal filling material that we use bioceramic sealers now that are very good at you know, protecting bacteria from getting in, I mean, getting down the root canal system. Um, but again, the root canal treatment has to be done properly. All the canals have to be found and cleaned all the way to the, what we call the bottom of the tooth, the apex of the tooth. But afterwards, we want to make sure that bacteria doesn't get even to that point. So we need a good solid filling. So for these back teeth, we want a crown for two reasons. One, it's, it lasts longer. White fillings can leak quicker. Okay. So fill, uh, crowns have a longer longevity, so it protects it from leakage. Um, but even more importantly, because if a tooth cracks, which is one of the few reasons why teeth need to be extracted, if a tooth cracks below the gum line, it can't be protected anymore and it has to be extracted. So if molars aren't crowned after root canal therapy, the tooth has an increased chance of cracking and would have to be extracted. So it's very, it's, it's, you know, in, it's very vital for this, this treatment that we get the crowns put on as soon as possible to minimize the chance of it cracking. And the success rates are extremely good for uh, teeth that have good quality root canals with a good quality um, crown. And we we're just talking about there was, you know, a, it was a pretty good study that was done that showed that a good root canal with a good crown afterwards, success rates over 90%. Oh, okay. If you don't, if you leave it in either a temporary filling or not a crown, success rates go all the way down, you know, 70, 60%. So, you know, the, you got to think of a root canal treatment not just the root canal therapy itself, but the filling that goes on afterwards. Dr. Bertie, one of the things you and I have talked about in recent uh, conversations is options. It used to be, and a lot of people I'm sure still show up at BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers going, well, I guess I'm down to uh, uh, implants or dentures. Um, that's all I can think of. So what's it going to be? Do I toss a coin or do we have a heart to heart and figure it out? But your point is, it's not either or anymore, is it's, it? It's not. The, 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 the number of options that are available to replace teeth or to even treat teeth that are root canaled or, or anything else going on are, are astronomical now. In 2019, there's so much we can do in terms of design and fit and, and, and just the, the way that we can actually manufacture the way that we're going to restore someone's dentition, their smile so they can eat and chew and talk is 
is amazing. So it, people deal with things like partial dentures combined on, with implants and, and, and the real teeth. Absolutely. And there's, there's lots of times when someone can come in and they think that they're going to lose all their teeth or they're going to lose a lot of teeth. And they might go see Dr. Weinstein to get a couple of root canals. And after that, we place three or four implants and they can keep most of their teeth. So mm-hmm. we're, we're, it's one of those things where we want to make sure that they know their options. And a lot of times, they uh, most patients, when they walk in, they think it's much worse than it actually is. Yeah, exactly. And, and if cost is brought into the equation, at all, and of course, inevitably it is, especially at that first consultation that mm-hmm. you have. You price everything out. No, there's no hidden surprises here. Absolutely. Not, so yeah. the dentures are still more. Well, they're still cheaper. Yeah, right? t- taking out someone's teeth and giving them dentures is always going to be the cheapest option. I always think of it in terms of insurance. And, and insurance company is always going to cover taking out a tooth. You know why? It's one less tooth for them to insure. <laughs> That's true. You know, I hadn't thought about it in that point. Yeah, right? well, as soon as you say it, of course, of course, that one's gone. I don't have to yeah, worry about that one exactly. anymore. So it's one of those things where it comes to dentures, the same thing is that they want to entice it because, it's, once again, it's, it's a le- one less thing for them to insure. So dentures are definitely the cost-effective option. Are they horrible? No, I think they work well for lots of people, but they are a low-cost option for sure. Okay. If, if, if anybody was able to, to you know, do something more, they would. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so just as a rule of thumb, would would dentures be half the cost of implants or even lower than that? I would say it depends on the type of implant therapy. I but suppose it could, so, yeah. it could be as much as half or even less. It depends. Okay. Yeah. Dr. Weinstock, uh, yeah. do you at uh, the Evergreen Endo Group uh, accept patients uh, by having heard that Dr. Weinstock guy on the radio? I'd like to meet him. He sounds like he could do a job. Or do you have to have a referral to go to your practice uh, from another uh, dentist? No, I mean, our... our our primary business is referral based. We have a great relationship with a lot of dentists. We do a lot of good work for them. We're, um, we've been known in the area for a very long time. Uh, but yeah, we, we have walk-ins often. Okay. Uh, we have a lot of people who, who've heard about us because their neighbor told them about how you know pain-free it was to come and save their tooth. Right. A lot of times we get patients who you know have been told they have to lose a tooth, so they want a second opinion, and they come and see us, and they realize uh, very simply through root canal treatment they could keep their tooth, and mm-hmm. uh, you know live a nice life with that tooth in their mouth. And uh, yeah, so we do, we do get um, referrals, but we also sometimes get uh, people from word of mouth. And it's the same with BC yeah. Perry. You, you don't have to have a referral from a, a family dentist, for example, to arrange an appointment at BC Perry. You don't have to have a referral to see any dentist in this whole province. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's no rules he, with that. He, there's no yeah. rules with that. So okay. it's not like on it's the medical a, side, exactly. you know, it's a it's whole not, different ballgame. We're, we're easier to it, deal it, with. Yeah. In, in, in medicine, you need a referral to go see the specialist. Yeah, exactly. in de- and in dentistry, you do not need a referral to see any dental practitioner on this earth. Okay. Uh, a website. At endo-group.com. All right. It is Evergreen Endo Group. And also, I'm, as the president of BC Endo Society, we have developed a new website called saveyourtooth.ca, okay. which you can get more information about all the endodontists in the area and what we're all about. And uh, BC Perio, P-E-R-I-O dot C-A is Dr. Bobby Birdie's company with, of course, offices in Vancouver at on, uh, 777 West Broadway and in Coquitlam as well at 1175 Johnson Street, bcperio.ca. Dr. Bobby Birdie, good to see you again. Thank you. Dr. Weinstock, nice to meet you. Yeah, it was great to meet you. Thank I'm you for having me. i have to have a look at that uh, Netflix documentary and try oh, not to do. laugh too much. We, we can watch it together and laugh together at it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thanks very much, gentlemen. Take care. And we're back after this. 
And once again, our thanks to doctors Bobby Birdie and Yale Weinstock for a very informative visit. Next Saturday, we'll have a visit from the BC Securities Commission, who uh, want us all to become better informed investors. And we'll get a fresh Vancouver real estate update from John Carlson of 1% Realty. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time, our producer, Ben Dooley, has a look at the UBC SkyTrain update. Thanks, Sterling. An eventual SkyTrain link to UBC's Point Grey campus overcame another hurdle on Friday, winning a key vote at the TransLink Mayor's Council. The vote was near unanimous, with just the mayors of White Rock and Port Moody dissenting. It follows a report to the council from TransLink staff, which argued that SkyTrain technology was the only option capable of meeting the campus's long-term ridership demands. Late last month, Vancouver City Council also voted to back the extension. Here is Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart. This needed to pass today for this to move ahead, and if it, if it was voted down, then SkyTrain was dead. Stewart acknowledges there are many more hurdles to go. Chief among them is funding. Currently, only a SkyTrain subway extension from VCC Clark Station to Arbutus Street is approved and funded with an estimated price tag of about $2.83 billion. A further extension to UBC is projected to cost an additional $3 to $4 billion, and neither the province nor the federal government have yet signed on to cover some of that cost. The university itself, along with the Musqueam First Nation and the developers of the Jericho lands, however, have expressed interest in contributing. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Just before we uh, check another consumer story, we want to remind you this month, spread kindness on social media and use the hashtag PinkItForward. Coast Capital Savings will donate a buck per hashtag to the CKNW Kids Fund in support of Pink Shirt Day. Hashtag PinkItForward. According to the province, Tesla, Nissan Leaf, and Mitsubishi Outlander were the big winners in BC's zero-emission car stakes last year. According to a Vancouver-based electric vehicle industry analyst, Matthew Klippenstein, a good friend of this program, there were around 8,500 zero-emission vehicles sold in British Columbia last year. Zero-emission vehicles, by the way, include pure electric, fuel cell, and electric gas hybrids that have a plug-in to charge the battery. It does not include traditional non-plug-in hybrid gas-electric vehicles like the Toyota Prius that are commonly used as taxis in Vancouver. Mr. Klippenstein said that Tesla made up the largest block of zero-emission vehicles sold in BC at 2,500, followed by the Nissan Leaf at just over 1,000, the Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid just under 1,000. According to the Edmunds Editor's Choice 2019, the best electric vehicle the Hyundai Kona. Klippenstein pointed out that zero-emission vehicles still account for only 2.2% of market share, with drivers not yet ready to abandon the gas-powered vehicle. Quote, last year, though, was the first year our market share exceeded the U.S. market share. So there you go. Tesla, Nissan Leaf, and Mitsubishi Outlander, the top three of those electric vehicles in British Columbia. And that is our show for this weekend, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. If you have something you'd like us to cover or report on, shoot us a note to sterling at cknw.com or you can tweet us at Van Consumer.
I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.